Hello world, I'm Eric Dye. I'm Jeremy Smith. And I'm Phil Schneider. And you're listening to the 133rd Church Mag Podcast. Don't ignore the fact that when you buy it, you actually own it. What do we really own, digitally speaking? I would be more comfortable with subscription software if they had used open formats. This week's podcast is brought to you by Church Mag Press. Church Mag Press has all kinds of awesome resources, ebooks, stock photos, and more. Check it out, churchmag.press. That's churchmag.press. And while you're there, be sure to download the free whychristmas.com nativity pack, as well as the free carols by candlelight service booklet. Welcome to another episode of the Church Mag Podcast. This week on the podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about the pros and cons of subscription-based software. Uh, you know, when you're in, working in church tech, or maybe you're working for yourself, or you're doing freelance, or you know, you like to dabble in things like Photoshop, you're eventually going to be faced with the subscription-based pricing, whether you're talking about Dropbox, whether you're talking about Creative Cloud. There are subscription service after subscription subscription service buffer is a subscription ser- service co-schedule i mean it just go it just it begins to add up really so w- when you're looking at budgeting and these kind of things if you begin to add it up you can see how quickly just like your private life right it can quickly add up you have your cell phone bill you have your cable bill you have your you know this and the that and the netflix and it just seems like we keep getting more and more of these subscription based services where if you're if you're not paying for it, you're not getting it. But if you're paying for it, even if it's just, just, just 10 bucks a month, that adds up. Oh, I talked to uh, Kevin Kelly a while back about um, about his uh, book, The Inevitable. He, he goes to a whole chapter and talks about the uh, the shift from ownership to access and how in the future his link will own hardly anything, but will simply access it for, for a fee. And, and that's what we've learned with things like iTunes. Or some of the other music services, Spotify, you know, people get bent out of shape about Spotify, but do you really own your iTunes music? I I know that um, when we had a Nintendo Wii, we had it break and we had to switch, we had, we replaced it with a machine from, from a different country and everything that we had purchased on our US Nintendo account did not then go on to our Italian account. So we lost all of the downloads that we had made. You know, and at that moment, I really begin to realize and think about, you know, what do we really own, digitally speaking? Um, and even in like the video game industry, Origin, one of the, um, it's kind of like a Steam. It's it's a client that you install on your computer, and you can purchase games through their through their you know uh, portal, kind of like an, an Amazon Books kind of thing, but for video games. And even they have recently started a thing where five bucks a month you get access to a certain number of their games, and you know when you're not paying it, you don't get it anymore. So we, we see this this subscription based model beginning to even get into areas that it didn't used to be in. Well, I, th- I think you know uh, I think a while back it came out that uh, with iTunes that you don't own your music if you die your family cannot like inherit your itunes account so when you die your music dies with you this is this is why to me the drm free digital rights management free stuff is so appealing and you know when i see some places touting that they are drm free it makes me wonder if the subscription-based model while very popular right now if if it could potentially see an end you know, because because I know I remember when Adobe Cloud, when they or when Adobe switched from, you know, paying for their package to the creative cloud, 
you know, a lot of people were bent out of shape. They're like, look, you know, maybe I'll want to skip an upgrade version. I, I still I still have not gotten into the cloud. I've been hobbling along with Pixelmator and a very old copy of Adobe CS4. Now, Jeremy, you've you've approached the Adobe the Adobe Creative Cloud. What what was your what was kind of your take on it? What are your thoughts about that? Especially with Adobe Creative Cloud, I've never personally owned a copy myself. Um, when I was a teenager, I did bad things and illegally obtained a copy of it. And um, when I got older, I never actually bought a copy of it myself. My employers always bought a copy of it. And so I was always working off a subscription from someone else. So right now, the way it is today is that I have my own copy of um, Premiere and I'm able to use that for myself. And so there's no moral gray area of me using it for any other reason than just for myself. And I wouldn't be I wouldn't be able to do that if it was a thousand dollar expense. I guess that's where I see a little bit of difference with the subscription services with something like a Dropbox. It feels like a Dropbox is this, you know, it's it's cloud storage. And so you feel like like you really are, it is a much more rental situation where there, there's something different. It feels like with our apps, our applications that are installed on our machines, that feels a whole lot more personal. Um, I suppose maybe that's where things have gotten a little bit grayer over time. I think so, but I also wonder from a business standpoint, if it's simply just apples and oranges as far as comp- comparison, because... Um, we're trying to compare the fact that when you rent something, which is what you're doing when you pay that monthly fee for software, how it's different than actually owning outright the product itself. Because when it dis- when your music disappears, it disappears. But that was the expectation up front. So you can't compare it to the fact that you did own it. And, and on our end, we want to compare it just because of the cost equivalence. Dave Ramsey would say, you know what, the long-term cost of this is going to be so much more if you rent it, which it's true. It almost always is true. If you rent something, you're going to pay significant more than if you just simply pay for it in person, which is why it's always confusing for me whenever I talk to people with Verizon or with other um, mobile services. If you buy the phone outright... Or if you pay the payment plan, you're going to pay the same amount. There's no interest on that process. It's a little hook for them, but that's what they're going for. And I don't know if it'll eventually ever stay that way. I know that I looked into um, outright buying my phone after I um, get my other phone turned in, don't owe anything to the company. And at this point, there is zero cost difference. But if you do that for a car, if you lease a car versus buy a car, you are spending so much more money than it is. And with Adobe, in the long run, you're actually paying so much more money to them than that is. But they're apples and oranges. I don't, I don't know what you guys think. Do you think it's fair to compare? Yeah, I, I don't know. Because in a year's time, what, what you pay, you pay what? Uh, it's about $600 a year. For Creative Cloud, okay, and that gets you everything. Um, and before, if you bought the big big package, it was about fifteen hundred dollars or so. Um, it was up and above a thousand dollars. And new versions came out every few years. So, if you're making the upgrades, I, I think if you compared it that way, if you're making the regular upgrades, it's equal or cheaper than what it used to be. So, at that point, the monthly subscription makes it not only lowers the bar of entry, 
so that if you don't have that money up front, you can still use the latest software. But it also made it so that even creative agencies or even freelancers who might not need those products each and every month can uh, potentially, you know, add a license, you know, add a seat, take away a seat, and in the end, spend less, which is which is curious. Are you sure that that is the case as far as that's concerned? That it does cost less with that service. Well, fifty at fifty bucks a month, that's going to be that's going to be less than what it used to cost to buy the whole package. Of course, some of course you don't always need the whole package. But then they they've come up with the like the photographer thing where you you get Lightroom and Photoshop for what twenty dollars a month. And there is an assumption in there that they are going to update at the same frequency or to the same significance. And we don't know if that's going to be the case. Historically, so far in the experience that I have had, it does get it gets regular updates quite a few updates and it were they it, not as incentivized to do so right and, right. and that is always a potential there, that is always a potential no fear you're absolutely right and, and because of that there was a time where i even i kind of looked at the cost of what would it take to change programs and use things that um you know it felt more like you paid for, there, it wasn't subscription based i looked at some other alternatives but in the end because i used X amount of, you know, so many different of the Adobe um, products, it's cheaper for me to to pay monthly and not, quote unquote, outright own it than it is to purchase individual standalone programs that do the same thing. So I, I think that that's ultimately how you have to kind of break it down. You know, what do you need? What do you use? And then do a cost, kind of a monthly cost comparison at that point. See, my, my thing about the... Um software as a service like Evernote has now lost most of my my focus because I can't I can't use it everywhere because it's a subscription service he's subscribed to have universal access to Evernote and so I think that it could be a benefit on the cost um, cost savings side of things but I think it could also be um, like Evernote was never and I used it a ton but it was never so vital that it was worth paying for and so I think perhaps for the software developer, it's, it's you're hedging your bets that your program is so crucial, you can now start charging money just to have access to it. Um, you can go from a free or from a tiered service pro- program to where even accessing your program requires uh, additional funds. There is definitely a there is definitely a value in that process too, right? As far as how much you value a thousand dollar program versus something that you're paying just a few dollars a month. Yeah. And, and I think like what Jeremy was saying, the apples and oranges, especially with something like Evernote, Evernote has been slowly taking the thing apart and giving people less and less. And it's, it's a whole lot more difficult to pull back than pull back the reins on a horse than letting them out. If you're giving people more free, free features that's easy right but removing them suddenly there's issues and I, I think that that's a big difference as well in comparing something like the adobe creative cloud that used to be a you paid for your license and then every few years they came out with a new version and then you had to decide whether or not to upgrade and now that's become a subscription service taking that is is an entirely different thing than something like evernote or buffer or co-schedule right but fundamentally, I think as far as subscription-based, any you know, subscription subscription-based services, all those sort of things like to do to do lists, uh, Evernote, cloud storage, Creative Cloud, social media sharing, all those they do add up. So if you are you know personally or or church tech, how do you guys see the best way to 
approach that as far as being a good steward of, of resources? You know, sometimes it's easier. In a, here's a problem, too. Sometimes you get down to, like, budget questions. Is it better to have a one-time expense or a recurring expense? Have someone giving your church um, a nice largesse they can use to buy software? Um and our, our times our times fat now, and so like you can sign up for Creative Cloud, and then in a month or not a month rather, if it's a month, it's pretty bad. But maybe in a year, time's a little bit thinner, and you have to get out of it. You've got to quit, and you've got nothing to show for it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot to consider there. And then there's on the other end, there's also the inherent risk that what you bought is terrible and not what you expected. And so having a super high cost of something like that means now you are stuck with what you had. Whereas if it's like an Evernote situation where you're like, you know what? I paid for the pro. It's not that great. Maybe I'm just going to go back to the freemium model. You spent 20 bucks. So there is that aspect as well. I, I think a good way to approach all of that could be looking at things at a annual and even biannual budgeting, right? Because if you purchase software outright to expect to to have an expectation of going more than a few years without making an upgrade is is it not the most reasonable am i right depending on where you get into the stream of the versioning i mean two years max right so if you take something like creative cloud buffer evernote and you know what does that cost over two years one one or two years and you do that with all of your services and you can look at even the cost of the software itself. And I, I think if you could look at the big picture in, you know, one and two year segments, it could really help you decide, you know, what do we really need? You know, and, and, and comparing that to what your budget is, you know, what do we need? What do we want? What really helps us? You know, what do we get the most for our money? What, you know, where are there alternatives that are free or cheaper? And when you, when you make decisions, with that kind of knowledge, I think that in the end, it's it's a lot bigger win than just trying to figure out, you know, what does this cost me per month? It can be, unless it's something that you desperately need now and are not able to pay. Or, I mean, let's be honest, many software programs, it's just simply impossible to get like that. I mean, you cannot get Adobe, and there there is comparable, but there are not competing processes out there there's not competing software it can be difficult it can be it can be but like you know like phil's experience with pixelmator depending on what you're doing pixelmator while it isn't as uh, robust as photoshop pixelmator can really you can really create some some great looking stuff pixelmator is fantastic actually we've been using pixel i've been using pixelmator pretty much only for probably I guess by four or five years I've used ever since I got my new computer, which doesn't have which, you know, CS4 is only on my old laptop because it's so old. Um, and I used still to edit some files that are designed in Photoshop. And I know it won't carry over well to Pixelmator, but Pixelmator does a lot of cool stuff, but the more actually what's happening, I should, I should say is in the past two years, I have learned to better, better to work within Pixelmator's limitations and I figured out how to do cool things within the Pixelmator universe. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I was the same way when I was using it. Like if you, if you drop in a photo and you make it smaller, don't expect to make it bigger again. 
<laughs> right? Right. So if if you understand what the limitations are, you can really work work within those. Yeah. Sure, but but again, we're starting, we're getting closer and closer to apples and oranges at that point. Are you willing to pay for mm-hmm. it's somewhat true. a completely different product? I mean, let's take church. Let's exactly. take planning center. There is nothing out there close to what planning center does now for some people they would say you don't need those extra things as far as being able to communicate with the computer and have that church you can just do that via email and have some extra um, stuff outside of the way that planning center does even though they make it very organized on how you use the software to collaborate and to make sure that everything is in the system and so it is an additional thing that for some people they have to have and some people they think that's just an extra cost in there Mm -hmm. and this is why i don't think you can just black and white say you know subscription services are good or bad or purchasing it outright Mm -hmm. is good or bad that everyone has to weigh these things out because when you say yes to one thing you're saying no to something else so you need to really weigh these things out and make your choices of what fits you perfectly you know what what suits you well it's just like you always say jeremy when someone asks a church set question and everyone's shooting their answers out and you're like well we'll hold on there's a lot of variables you know not to mention personal preference that, that that comes into play. There are two financial things that play into this as well. Not, not that this is a financial podcast, but first of all, you constantly have to make sure that there's no emergencies. If you pay for the product right there, it's the whole Dave Ramsey approach. If you have a crisis, an emergency, you may lose that money and not be able to pay for planning center anymore. And now you have to pick, do we want to pay for the building or planning center? Whereas if you bought the service outright, the money's gone. It is what it is. You're not being holding to anybody and on the other hand is they could always at any time decide to jack up your price or not exist anymore and now not only have you paid that money which is lost there's no getting it back you can't ask for them for the money back and now you have to still go pay the thousand dollars elsewhere which is a risk that people don't ever actually think about And I think that whenever you go into a budget meeting and you're talking to elders and deacons, you need to make sure that you realize that's the case because that's what's going on in their money. This is the hard money that the church is tied. Are you actually being responsible with it? Because let's be honest, I think I would be more comfortable with um, subscription software if they had used open formats. So like, for example, Evernote, all those notes, you can export them, I think it's PDF, or as an Evernote file. I don't think you can export them as anything editable by another app, I don't think. Um, and Photoshop, you know, Pixelator can read PSDs. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, I don't know if Photoshop's now opened their format up or Pixelator licenses that right. Um, but Pixel, Pixelmator can open up PSDs, yes. but all my old Pixelmator files are worthless to me. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you can't. So, that's true. But you still own, you still own Pixelmator, don't you? you? You purchased it. No, because it's only it's Mac only. Oh, you're you're, you're Windows now. Well, that was your fault, man. <laughs> no, once I once I went into the Adobe Creative Cloud because I was using so many of the other services. I just switched to Photoshop. Well, we'll talk off mic, and if you need if you need some help, you can send all the Pixelmator to me, and I'll open them up and export them as PSDD for you for your use. Well, yeah, I I, I, I saw that um, I saw that curve coming ahead, uh, so I begin to apply it accordingly. Yeah, but like, if if I didn't have if I hadn't purchased Pixelmator, if I was just trying to use like you know random like smaller. Uh, you know, apps and didn't want to, didn't want to try and pr- I was trying to save money straight up. Like my options were like maybe GIMP. But even when Pixelmator, when Pixelmator opens up a PSD, the t- the text is immediately rasterized. 
Um, so you can't do much with it. So that's my problem with a subscription service where I can give up the app by not paying the subscription fee anymore, but then I've lost all my files because my files are no longer you know, perfectly editable. And I think we also need to keep in mind, you know, w- what is the value of an older file that's editable? Because, you know, I think about that with some of the old, old Church Mag podcast files that I recorded in Cubase instead of Audition. And the truth of the matter is, is that I, I just, I don't need those old files. I don't need them. I have the original raw, you know, wave or MP3, but the actual where I make the edits, do I really need those? I've never gone back to an old, sure. old file. And I think that there, I think that there's also something to be said for just simply cloud-based services in general, regardless if you already pay, which I don't know anyone that you can actually do that, or you have this cost plan. I know that I was listening to a podcast with Reply All, and they were talking about how this mother was using the service to be able to put all of her photos online. And so that's where she stored them because it was a great backup as well. And she was just paying for the service. All of a sudden, the website disappeared. All of her photos were gone. And the service said, you know what? We're trying to figure this out. Six months later, we give up. We quit. Now, thankfully, someone else had come in and bought all the storage, and so they could use that service for free elsewhere. And if they wanted to pay him for it, they could. But like that, everything can be gone. And if all of your stuff is saved on the cloud, it may just be gone. And that might be because you had an emergency, and now you can't pay for the service, and now you're in um, credit to them, and they've turned off your service, and they won't give it back to you until you pay the full amount due to them. Yeah, Yeah, I think the cloud storage is is kind of an interesting argument all on its own. I know that happened to to Kenny Zhang once with Dropbox where he they lost his files. I don't know how if they I don't remember if they ended up finding everything. It's a previous podcast if if uh, you look They up. found some of them. Yeah, they found some of I them. Think. But see, knowing that myself, I have hard copy backups of of my stuff as well. And so that's to me is a is more of a story of how do you operate your backups versus subscription-based software. And when you're talking about subscription-based software, I think you also have to look at um, who's providing it. You know, Adobe is a pretty big name. It's just not like, you know, I mean, Pixelmator, I mean, if we'd be honest, Pixelmator has a lot higher chance of going away than Adobe, it would it would seem, right? Um, so, so there's that. That to keep in mind. Crap, I had something else I was going to say too, but... Oh, and then service, service-based online service-based apps like Buffer and CoSchedule, those have value. Those don't really have a long-term value. They have an immediate value. So I pay for it this month. I use it this month. What I pay for it this month is the value I get out of it this month, right? <laughs> and so I guess that's the difference between a between there's like services, which would be like your, your CoSchedule and your Buffer, that you they serve you in the moment, and then you have your your storage, your cloud storage, which is kind of a long term service, a long term function, and then you have your 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 software, your subscription based software is something that you that you use all the time that you might you know um, I don't know where I was going with this. I was just trying to make a delineation between the different subscriptions. I guess to go back to what I was saying originally about um, but uh, access versus ownership, you know. In, in, in Kevin Kelly's world, will be like you'll you won't own a shirt. You'll access shirts. You'll have like a, a monthly, you know, uh, fee to pay to get your clothes delivered to you clean every day, and it'll be you'll be new clothes in style, completely, you know, 
tailored to your personality, tailored to your size, but they'll be, they'll be new and you'll just wear them. And you can, if you like them, you can pay uh, another fee to keep them in your own personal collection. But otherwise it's an, it's an access service. And part of me thought, well, that sounds terrible. But then part of me thought, I've got a whole closet full of clothes. I rarely ever wear and I didn't pay very much for them because I'm cheap. How much would it cost? You know, just just spitball in my head to have a, you know my clothes just sent to me every month versus you know how much I, I could pay. I could pay twenty bucks for a plaid shirt and I could wear that shirt for two years. So the cost of that shirt, you know, given you know, profit margin, you know, every month you know, buying that shirt well, once a week. Every renting it rather rather once a week every week for two years, it can't cost me more than what uh, ten cents a week, twenty cents a week. I, I don't know, but the idea that you don't need to do laundry because you're just going to send your shirt back to the rental company and they're going to clean it, they're going to repair it, and then you get a new shirt. But when when, you're, when we're talking about software subscriptions, how long do we really think that is something is going to last? I mean, you can pay and purchase and own Microsoft Word four point right? And you may have purchased it years ago and still have it, but what good is it to you when your operating system and everything else is upgraded and changes? Yeah, well, most likely, most likely, if we're being honest, that word program for the reason you bought it is still going to work for the thing that you bought it. Now you could have all the bells and whistles that come whenever you have that subscription service, but we still would be able to use that original word, assuming it's still compliant, compatible with the software itself. If you have word right now, I'm talking about you have the old program that will not run on windows 10 or mac os sure sure but, but let's take adobe i've had the photoshop version of that for 10 years and i only paid whatever the cost was for at that time now had i tried to upgrade and get all the bells and whistles which i did not need for the service when you blog you just simply blog and whenever you're doing stuff for your company it's just all contained within that we've saved the company probably Seven thousand, six thousand dollars as far as upgrades with all, and this is for not just my version, but everybody else. And so we're still operating under CS4, but it's in part of it maybe is that new shiny thing that we need to also address as well. Of are we just simply buying it because it's new and shiny? Now, when it stops working, that's a great reason to upgrade, and then you have to find the money for that. That's a great point, though. Like, how much of our how much of our desire to ownership is just to, to be able to say that we one we own something, uh, which is kind of a the psychology, and then two to be able to say we own the newest version of that thing. Like, I just bought a new iPhone because my other iPhone was four years old and had broken. Like, I was, I was planning to keep using it, four years old notwithstanding, but I dropped it, and because it was so old, it just collapsed into dust, and so sure. I purchased a new one. But sure. if I had a, if they had a deal, and basically I've got the ATT Next plan, so I'm basically renting this phone for $15 a month for 24 months. But if I, they had a deal where... Hey, you can just rent a phone for ten dollars a month, and it's it's the phone you use. And if you break it, you pay you pay for it, which I'm basically doing now. Um, but you just can keep renting it until you want to upgrade, and there'll be a one time upgrade fee, and then we'll send you next phone. And you'll just keep renting that phone. And that's not a bad idea, and it keeps you relatively current. I, mean, I chose the iPhone SE, so it's a newer phone, but it's not the newest top of the line phone. It's a newer phone at the bottom end of the market. And I think your example, Jeremy, of the Adobe software is a testament of of maybe how well they have they have done that because not all apps and programs do that they can quickly become like it won't run on your machine 
because it's too, it's too old. The application. Yes, I disagree because that would be a great example, Phil, if it wasn't for the fact that the phone companies changed their rental plans every three months. Oh, yeah. They've actually, it actually done a study. I mean, I had a situation with Comcast. I was, I was more or less. Oh, yeah. Tell us about that, Jeremy. I saw you oh, tweet yeah, that. Comcast, though, Comcast is the devil. So this plays into this whole process. Yes. I, I've been having issues with Comcast where I'm paying for the service and renting. I'm basically renting the service. And they gave me a plan five years ago that said you can have the 150 megabytes and all the channels. And really the thing was I wanted a sports channel and I wanted fast internet. And that's all I needed. And the person said, you know what, here's a great deal. It was a ridiculous deal. And so he said, it's a five-year commitment. You can't get out of this contract. It's pretty tight unless you move. And I said, great, that's fine. I'm planning on moving before the contract's up. I don't. I haven't had any issues with you guys. So the first year comes and they say, oh, we're going to pay charge you a whole bunch more. And I can go back and say, no, this was a five-year deal. And they're like, oh, you're right. Let's just go back. This year they do the same thing, but they say, you know what? That deal's not available at all anymore. So you're stuck. We've decided to end that contract. And now I am paying yeah. more. For that issue, not only am I paying more, I had to go there four different times, 30-minute drive one way, super frustrating to the point that I checked my online bill the night before, lost sleep because I was so frustrated about it, and now I'm not getting the service I wanted because of this whole situation. They get to dictate that process, and in some ways, you are, and this is a spiritual matter at at this point, and I'm making it that way. It's not a Jesus juke. We are beholden to that company, and if they say sorry, no, no more, you are stuck. And in the in the realm of having something, I mean, you would never do this with a house, right? If it's between renting and owning, what does the wisdom always say? Go yeah. own it because now you have an asset to your name. But we don't do that whenever it's smaller things because it's so much more convenient. It's only a couple bucks, guys. It's not that right. big a deal. But why right. does our philosophy change just because the price is a little bit less? Well, I think the, the price has changed, or our philosophy changes because the options change. You know, with Adobe, there's no option down anymore. And with your with, sure. with your ISP, you don't have the. I mean, to get you can become your own ISP, but it'd be so expensive. Mm-hmm. It's, it's becoming more. It's becoming more difficult to to do that. We have limited choices. You know, like culturally or as a group, socially, we've all said, okay. We'll, we'll follow along because there's nothing we can really do. Like if you have an older iPhone and one of your favorite apps gets updated, then your app won't update. But if you delete that app, right, and then you try to reinstall it again, it won't install because it says that your device is out of date. And so even though you paid for that app and you own that app, again, through iTunes, it's more of a rental situation, even for the uh, even for the apps. I paid for... Um standard theme and that was you know, that that crashed you know and then i didn't pay for it but i invested in Pressgram. i invested in the and it became part of my workflow and then it was gone you know and it's been all i could do not to buy desk 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 pm but then i realized that's why i bought scrivener instead i realized scrivener's been around for years it's more likely to actually be around and it's true and and i was in the same situation and i think jeremy touched on it a little bit and i think that it's a good bit of wisdom and that is are you able to export the file into another format or you you were talking about that or phil with evernote can you export it to another file type yeah 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 I checked. Uh, you can you can edit uh, 
export into their own file type and HTML. Or, or old file types like like old MS Word that you created, you could open with New Word at least. All of my writings from junior high and high school are in Microsoft Works. That's like having documents in Pages. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You can't Pages are useless anywhere else. You cannot use Pages files. I wish I wish we had a better conclusion other than like, okay, guys, when you're considering these things, there's a lot to consider, and you need to think all this stuff through really hard. Buyer beware. Or renter beware. Just, you know, like, everyone, everyone beware. Everyone beware. Jeremy, do you do you maybe have a conclusion other than what I just said? <laughs> I, think it, I think it comes back to what I originally said in the sense that it's apples and oranges. And so quit trying to compare the two because when you have the option, then you can make the, the decision. But whenever it's Adobe and you want, a, you need that service that you can't get anywhere else, you have to pay for it. There's no option. And whenever you have the ability to buy and not rent, you have to buy it if that's what you're going to do. Now, when you get that opportunity, like leasing a car, go ahead and make the financial decision in that process. But don't ignore the fact that when you buy it, you actually own it. And then you can take it home with you and you can cuddle it and all that stuff. But (laughs) you are done. And the same thing with the phone. You have to keep that in mind when you do that. Send us an email, subscribe, and search for previous episodes of the Church Mag Podcast by visiting Church Mag. You'll find a link on the main menu. Go to churchm.ag. That's churchmag, churchm.ag. And while you're hanging out on Church Mag, send us a message and subscribe to the Church Mag Podcast so you can receive an early release of the show every Friday. Until next week. The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com. <laughs>